Welcome to Box to Box Football. Hey, welcome to Box to Box Football for the new week. It's a big week. We got Champions League, we got Europa League, we got Conference League, and we had Premier League today as well and all over the weekend. So uh, I don't know, did you get a chance to see any games? Well, if this is box-to-box football, then yes, we have seen the games. Is that a rhetorical question, sir? Sometimes Samson comes on and hasn't watched the game. And <laughs> you know, I don't know. I I know you guys. Watch yeah, we, we have no lives and work nine-to-fives or five-to-nines, however you want to put it. But he's Sean Miller. I'm J.J. Duke, Stu Kovacs on the ones and twos. And Sadly, as much as we like to have this show be a positive and uplifting, it's it was kind of a, a weekend that started off in a rather down tone, I guess is probably the best way to put it. It was released by Manchester United that Sir Bobby Charlton, CBE, passed away uh, over the week or just before the weekend. A legend, a trailblazer, a groundbreaker, if anything, someone that did it all won just about everything that you ever could win as a player and as a manager passed away and uh, Sean I know actually it's probably fitting that you're the one that gets the first bit he's always someone that was spoken about saying that if he entered a room you fell silent you listened and you also hope that he he knew who you were because if Sir Bobby knew about your style and about your play then odds on were he had a good chance at being a, a really good footballer yeah, look, I mean, he won the World Cup. He won the European Cup. He won the Ballon d'Or, one of three Ballon d'Or winners in that Manchester United team from the 60s. But, you know, I mean, he was also a, a, a Munich air crash survivor. He had to fight for his life there and along with some of the people and Sir Matt Busby and, and uh, had to live through that kind of stuff. You know, it's just a really, really sad day for, for Manchester United fans. He's always going to be remembered as the Ballon d'Or winner and uh, one of the first people to uh, basically win everything that you could have won with, uh, you know, with that team and and with his country. I mean, look, he's on a list of one of one, I believe, to win a World Cup, a European Cup and a Ballon d'Or with in England. Like England doesn't have a lot of Ballon d'Or winners. The Premier League doesn't have a lot of Ballon d'Or winners. So um, he's a... He's got a statue. I mean, he's part of the Trinity. So, uh, no, it's just tough. I, you know, I, we'll get into it. I'm, I'm really glad they won that game because, um, you know, just, just for him. And I watched the uh, English Football League highlights last night. I tried to watch that on um, on the IPTV on Sunday nights. Uh, they do a really good show, uh, like a 90-minute show, and they go through the Championship League 1 and League 2. And, and Birmingham City happened to play Middlesbrough and, and – Wayne Rooney is the manager for Birmingham City, and Michael Carrick is the manager for Middlesbrough, and they were teammates the last time Manchester United won the European Cup, and you know just talked about how Sir Bobby Charlton was around the club all the time. So a lot of different fitting things this weekend. So yeah, um, I think the entire country, and I know obviously he's a legend at Manchester United, but also an England legend as well. Um, as you said, one of the very few players to win the World Cup. And he was also someone that established the blueprint for not just United, but also many clubs that you could develop success within your academy. And I believe it's been many, many decades since Manchester United has not played a game without at least featuring one player that came through their academy, whether on the field or on the bench. So uh, 
sadly again sir bobby charlton cbe pass away age of 86 and on behalf of our entire podcast of course our thoughts are with the family at this time and as sean said yep manchester united then went on and played a match against sheffield united normally you you wouldn't really think frankly too much of a contest like that but it, we've seen it through in professional sports where teams have had to go through and kind of just carry on playing in various circumstances similar to this. Uh, it was a 2-1 victory, grinded out type performance. It was a Scott McTominay goal who continues to do nothing wrong for club and for country over the past month or so. Scoring in the 28th minute, Ali McBurney from the spot leveled things six minutes later before Diego Dallo rolled the clock back and scored one of maybe the goals of the early part of the season thus far. Um, Sean, again, we we put so many different intangibles in Stuart. I'll get to you in just a moment, but we put so many into this that this match was more than just a match. But the club, you would forgive them if they didn't have their minds and their wits completely about them because there's just so much that you can do as a human to play in a match, let alone as a top tier athlete. So it, it was job well done on a number of areas. Well, first of all, they had to win the match. I mean, that that's all there is to it. And, you know, that's with the circumstances around it or not, you, you cannot loot drop points to Sheffield United. They're terrible and you cannot drop points. And it's ahead of a massive, look, there's a massive, by the time you're watching this, listening to it today, it's a massive Champions League game today. Manchester United has to win the next few Champions League games. They're still in it, you know, even with two losses. But look, you have to, you know, you have to take advantage of that. You know, I thought they played pretty well in the second half. They did what they had to do. Uh, they, the lot goal was unbelievable. Um, I'm glad he stepped up. Um, they, they, look, they're still, they're not there. They're just not. They're missing too many players. You know, they're they're just not up to speed. Hoyland hasn't been gotten up to speed yet. They're missing Luke Shaw terribly, I think, down that side. They're missing Aaron Juan Bisaka. I mean, who would have said that? Center backs. I, I think they're getting there, but, you know, it doesn't help. They got to play City, although I guess if you want to play City, it's right now. I mean, I don't think City's playing great at this point but look once again you gotta win you gotta win today yeah you do um Stu I bring your thoughts into this as well I know obviously as a Liverpool fan of course you're more concerned about your club at the moment but as someone that just has an appreciation for football as a whole um your thoughts on the whole um yeah everything that transpired over those 48 hours I mean United certainly a story that is going to be followed very closely whether they're top of the league or struggling a bit like they are and yeah it was a much needed win they, they needed to do that Sheffield might be the worst team in the league if not they're one of the two or three worst in the league but you just got to survive at this point until you get the players back I mean like Sean kind of alluded to you're playing Lindelof as a left back you know you're playing Johnny Evans and Maguire actually I thought Maguire played pretty well in that match on Saturday considering all that he's been through at least he's, he's giving that effort and trying and you know it's just tough you're trying to build up through the back with a goalie who you know, they want to try to spray the ball around and they're kind of limited because the back is, you know, the back four is what it is right now. And it's not their top four back four. It's probably their, you know, five through eight or maybe not even five through eight, maybe a five through nine, something like that. But yeah, it's been very tough. Burnley match, the Brentford match, and now this match, it hasn't been the prettiest, but you get the points from those matches that you've gotten. You've got to at least be content. And then you get some guys back, you know, you get Casemiro back, you get the two center backs back. You'll at least be you know, in good shape enough to compete for Europe, but obviously it hasn't started as you, I'm sure both of you guys would have hoped it would. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things where injuries are going to take its toll, but that's part and parcel of when you're playing in five different competitions right now or four different competitions where you have to dig down deep and try to get through these periods and throw in a bit of international play there as well and just hope that everybody comes back. And as Sean rightly said, it's Copenhagen home on the Tuesday in Champions League, home to Man City, home to Newcastle in the League Cup the following Wednesday, away to Fulham, then away to Copenhagen. That's then Luton before the next international break. And I believe that's the last one before we go to March. So if United can get through that period again, it's a, kind of a broken record. Sean, I'll let you have the final point on this. If you could get through it, then maybe put yourself into a decent position to have a run through the holidays. Yeah, look, in the league, you got, you know, after City, you got Fulham away, uh, you know, uh, Luton at home, Everton away, Newcastle away, Chelsea at home, Bournemouth at home. Uh, over the internet, you know, over the uh, f- festive period, you got West Ham on the road on the 23rd of December. You got Aston Villa at home. That's tough. Nottingham forced away, and then you got Spurs Wolves. I mean, it, it, you just don't get a break. I mean, you play, you know, it's it, it's a tough schedule right now. So you got to win the games, you know. But I do think at this point, you know, when they get healthy, and uh, we'll see what happens in January uh, with new ownership or whatever. To start the week, however, Stu, now we give you center stage on this one. Is it's a Merseyside derby, Liverpool Everton at Anfield. And it was a fascinating match on a number of levels because you did have Everton who looked at the early stages fairly bright, looked like they were certainly up for it. However, the match turned in the first direction where Ashley Young gets sent off for a tackle, his second yellow card um, in that half where he chopped down Luis Diaz outside the box. Then the match turned a little bit more handball inside the final 15 minutes on Everton inside the box. Mo Salah steps up, drills the penalty, and then gets one in the seventh minute of extra time. And once again, Everton continue to struggle in this matchup. But for you, are you satisfied with this performance? Because it looked at at phases that it was even difficult to break down Everton's 10-man group. Yeah, I'll take the three points gladly. Kind of fortunate in a way. Obviously, you had, like you mentioned, JJ, Ashley Young's. You get that second yellow. The first one might have been a little soft. The second one was pretty obvious. So he needs to know better in that situation of what he's doing. That Michael Keane handball, very fortunate. I think it was definitely the right call. But at the same time, you get a little bit of a break there. And listen, I'll be honest. Kanate should have been sent off. Should have been a second yellow on him. I'll be honest with that. It's it is what it is. I I'm not gonna apologize because the Spurs game, you know, kind of took points away from Liverpool and maybe this gave Liverpool some points. So it's kind of a give and take situation. But I'm not gonna sit here and say, you know, there's no way Kanate should have been. You know, he should have been sent off. I'll, I'll admit that. Um, the one thing I'll take away from this match, I know Liverpool plays these early games after the international break a lot, and O'Clock complains about it all the time. Next international break, they come out with Manchester City and. 1230 uh, game, but I understand Klopp has to rotate guys, but I think it's at the point where Darwin Nunez needs to be inked in that starting 11 pretty much every match, at least every Premier League match. He's a totally different force, more than Gakpo, who's hurt right now, more than uh, Diego Jalta. He just brings something else to the table that those two do not. And for me, I'm, I think it would be smart just to ink him in there. I think he's kind of deserved that at this point. Ryan Gravenberch, he looked very good. He's impressed me a lot in his first few uh, matches that he's played. I believe Saturday was his first uh, Premier League start for Liverpool. He's looked good. 
And as I mentioned on uh, last week's podcast with Mike, the, the Robertson injury is going to be one to, to really see how they cope with that. Simikas is a good player, but he's not the level Andy Robertson is, especially defending wise. He just isn't the same guy. Curious to see if they kind of go to a back three at times with Gomez playing that position. So, you know, you're going to be out with Robertson for three months once we get into the winter and they're playing, playing a lot of games. So it's going to be interesting to see, see how they deal with that. But again, I'll take the points. It wasn't pretty, but... It's better than drawing or losing, that's for sure. <laughs> no, 100%. And I was about to say Nunez, obviously, was the big factor coming off the bench. Is nothing against Diogo Jota, but they're two completely different types of players. I agree with you. And Graven Birch, I think he, again, it's the classic young player coming into the Premier League who knows how well he hits the ground, but seems like he's done all right. As a fan of the Greece national team, I thought Simikas was poor against the Netherlands. I was actually surprised that Liverpool started with the back four in that match. Sometimes you just need to put an arm around a guy and say, hey, listen, we're going to give you some time to work it out. I know that was a huge match for them because that was a win and almost into the Euro situation. But Sean, briefly, Everton, I mean, it's more of the same now. I mean, they're getting obviously some help from elsewhere to keep them outside of the bottom three. But DCL has maybe started to figure out where the goals are coming, but boy, it's going to be a really tough road for them, especially over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, look, I I think they're better than Burnley, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, Luton Town. So, you know, look, you just got to finish ahead of wherever the wherever the one team is there that's that's behind, you know, that's outside the top, the bottom three there. I, I, you know, they they've been playing better. I just think you know they'll end up. They're they're like wolves to me. Wolves wolves actually big win for them. I you know I I think before the season, uh, I don't I don't know where you guys had wolves. Adam eighteenth, so 18th. they played better than I thought they'd be. Yeah. Staying there, it's the same thing. Like the more you kind of look at the rest of the teams, I think Everton will be okay. Like they'll be able to get some wins against those teams at the bottom because their squad's not terrible. I, I mean, it's terrible, but like not like that. Like not Burnley, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, Luton Town, terrible. But you know, I, he can't get a red card in the first thirty minutes. Like, come on. Yeah. He's a veteran player, but hopefully yeah. he will uh he'll remember and he will bounce back. Speaking of bouncing back, if we're talking about teams that are trying to get right here as we enter now this close to the second quarter of the season. Uh Man City two, Brighton one. Brighton after extending Matoma's contract through the end of 2027. I called that one saying keep him back in September and thank you to Zerby for listening to me. However, Alvarez and Holland inside the first 20 minutes and it could have been a lot more with March going down with potentially what is going to be deemed as a very long-term injury, which is something that is going to be a big concern as again, Brighton dipping their toes into European football, not the biggest squad in the world and it's gotten just a little bit thinner. Ansu Fati did pull one back before full-time, but not enough. And Sean... I know we're you and I are on the same page in terms of what color we like. So Brighton, um, it's very much Jekyll and Hyde with them. And I kind of put them into a category along with Villa, along with West Ham and a couple other teams that are all in these European places. And I don't even know if they know what they truly want out of this season, because we've seen some brilliant performances from all those clubs, but in both of their competitions, they haven't really chosen what lane they want to be in this year. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, once again, you can't have injuries. When you finish in the top six and you make Europe for the first time, then you have to go play, you know, I 
kayaks and these tough, you know, they got a brutal draw as it is, but you know, it's a great draw. If you're a fan, you can't complain, but you know, I think the one thing that you can complain about is the fact that maybe they didn't bring, you know, they let some players go in the summer and, you know, maybe didn't Casado and McCallie, you know, maybe you should have brought, spent that money right away and brought five players in. So the squad is a little deeper. I mean, after, you know, they're going to be playing, I think they play Ajax twice. Um, they got Fulham at home. You know, they got uh, Everton away. They got Sheffield United. They got Forest away, you know, Chelsea away, Brentford. Burnley, they have a chance to kind of win some games there. And then over that festive period, though, when you kind of want to be playing easier games, you know, they have Palace away, Spurs at home, West Ham away, Wolves at home, Arsenal, sorry, on the 16th of December. You want to be playing these the weaker teams because everybody's going to rotate. You know, when you're playing some of these stronger teams over that festive period, I think you kind of lose some of the advantage you might have because everybody's got to rotate. So their squad, the two competitions, I, I you know, I don't know. I, I, I could see them, you know, some injuries. I, I could see some stuff, you know, them struggling a little bit, especially with these matches. Look, you got to go to an Ajax team who's been, or you play Ajax at home, who's been awful. Ajax has been absolutely terrible. At some point, you got to figure they're going to turn it around, but maybe they're just really bad. Then you got to go to Amsterdam. Then you got to go to Athens, and then you got to host Marseille. So I think we'll see a little bit about this team in December. I think they'll win some of these next games coming up. I think where you know they're going to start to maybe kind of see if they're going to be a, a top top six team is closer to December. And I think that gives the teams blown because look, you know, Manchester United has been the worst. It's the worst start of all time. And the, you know, this and they're five Oh and four and minus two goal difference. Well, they're one point behind Brighton right now, but they're, they're one point behind Newcastle. So Manchester United and these teams, West Ham United, two points back, Chelsea, three points back. I think these teams are going to start to get drawn into more of a battle there. Yeah, you're right about the uh, the roster, and I'm very curious when we get to the January transfer window, what Brighton will do, depending on how many competitions that they still remain in. Stu, on the opposite side, Doku, by the way, what an impact he has had over the last couple of matches. Picked up another helper in that victory. However, a Kanji sent off, which means he will be not playing in the Manchester Derby next match in the league. I would have to imagine then he's going to be thrown right back into it against BSC Young Boys in Champions League. But for City right now, I, I guess it's one of those. They're they're very much in a lull type period. Yeah, they are. They definitely needed this win. They needed to bounce back going into the break. The results against Wolves and then obviously Arsenal uh, right before the break. You know, City's a lot better than that, right? They're not a team that ever loses two straight games. Granted, that Arsenal is also a very good squad, but at the same time, that's not City. It's funny. I saw that Brighton was starting Milner in March, and hopefully March uh, gets well soon. But I saw they were starting Milner in March as the uh, fullbacks, and I was just like, oh, uh, that's going to be a problem for Brighton, and especially Doku and the pace that he brings. And unlike a lot of guys, Holland excluded, but a lot of these guys that Pep has brought in, usually takes them a while to get their feet under them. But Doku's kind of stepped right in. I think he's the preferred guy as that left winger 
over Grealish at this point. He brings just a great pace. He can kind of go either way once he gets in a box. He can cross it with the left foot. He can kick it back to the right and make the pass. Uh, he's been a really, really nice find for Man City and just a really important guy they've brought in. But I, this could have been a lot worse. Almost props to Brighton for making this a game because when it was 2-0 at 19 minutes, I was like, ah, turn this off and put another game on because this wasn't that crowded 10 a.m. Eastern time window. City needed it, you know, get that good start coming off the break. And for Brighton, like you guys kind of said, it's just going to be a matter of being able to survive and rotate and not drop too many points because they have a lot of games and a lot of tough games. And they have a lot of injuries with now March to go along with the Stupinian as guys out. So it'll be interesting to see what Brighton does going forward here. Well, City definitely needed a bounce back after that 1-0 loss to Arsenal right before the October break, which transitioned us nicely into one of the more entertaining matches of the weekend. Chelsea to Arsenal to at Stamford Bridge. Cole Palmer from the spot inside the first quarter hour. He finally did it. He did a big boy. Mudrik gets himself a goal, which means that one was worth 50 million because he's scored one other time. And that was also <laughs> worth 50 million. However, because in Chelsea fashion, they'd find a way to ruin what is a potentially good thing is inside the final quarter hour, Declan Rice, baby, baby, gets himself a goal. Leandro Trossard coming off the bench, equalizing with five minutes ago and Arsenal basically picking up one point from what should have been an embarrassing defeat for them, albeit on the road against their London rivals but Stu at the same time I feel like the way that Tottenham's gone about their business over the first quarter of the season the way that City has been lulling in the weeds right now for Arsenal this is probably the biggest escape artist routine that they needed at this stage of the season because we could almost be looking back at this in March and saying boy that could have defined their season yeah and, and the way this this first half went if you're Arsenal you are thrilled absolutely thrilled to get the draw and if you're Chelsea, it's like, come on, you had a 2-0 lead. Got it. I mean, they're in a position where they have so many tough games coming up. We've talked about it on previous episodes, but they have so many tough games over the next month or so. You get have a 2-0 lead, you have to hold it. Robert Sanchez, that was a tough, tough goal to give up to Declan Rice. Uh, he's, I'm not sure if he's the guy. I know it's a little harsh for a Chelsea squad that their issues coming into this recent play have really been more of the scoring rather than the defending, but... I don't know. I look at Sanchez and I'm not sure if he's a Chelsea guy, like a guy that can you could really rely on. You can't like you can with an Ederson or an Allison. Like I think he's way off of that level. I thought Kukurea was really good. He did a nice job against Saka. He played with the forward foot. I, I thought he had a nice game. The midfield's kind of coming to its own a bit. Gallagher's been getting good. I liked him in the press. You know, Enzo was good. But at the same time, that they're still they're still striker short. Modric, I know it was a goal. He claims it was a shot. I mean, it was not really a shot. It was more of a cross. But hey, a goal's a goal. Counts what it is. But yeah, if you're Arsenal, you've got to be you've got to be thrilled with uh, at least getting a point from this after what was just a disastrous start for them. Sean, in your opinion, do you think he meant it or do you think he not meant it? Nah, he didn't mean it. You know, it's he's gonna say he did, but uh, he, I don't think so. Absolutely. They all count at the end of the day. Yeah, look, especially for him. I mean, he, he's struggling at that point. So, um, look, you're up 2-0 in the 75th minute. You cannot drop points there. I mean, this Chelsea team, I feel like we say it every single week. But, you know, you look at the table right now and 
you know, once again, they're they're not that far behind Brighton, but they, they have three wins in nine matches. You know, they have a plus four goal difference, but and two of those wins came in the two games right before this. So at some point, I think it's gonna turn, but I don't know. I mean, maybe this is just what they are. I mean, once again, and we talked about this three wins, three draws, three losses. We said they had to kind of get this going in this period here because after this Brentford game next weekend, they're spurs away. City at home, Newcastle away, Brighton at home, Manchester United away, Everton away. Everton away isn't going to be easy. Anytime Everton's playing at home, I think it's not going to be, uh, you know, I think when some of these teams go to Everton, it's not an easy game. I know Everton's not great, but, you know, once again, on the road, it's tough. So then they have a decent festive fixture period where, you know, they play Sheffield United, Wolves, Crystal Palace, Luton, Fulham before uh, the end of January. It starts to turn around again. They play everybody, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, when you talk about Brentford's obviously looked all right. You know, when you talk about Brentford home, Spurs away, City home, Newcastle away, Brighton home, Manchester United away, and the next six matches, how many, you know, how many points do you see from that? Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe five at five at best. You know, maybe a couple draws, maybe six. I mean, you're not winning five out of six there. You're not getting up the table. And then, you know, if that's the case, all of a sudden you look up, Spurs are on 23 points already. You know, they're already 11 points clear of Chelsea. If they, if Chelsea doesn't start picking up these points, once again, they're going to get cut adrift. And they just have they have way too much money invested in that team. I, I, I also think, look, Arsenal doesn't have, you know, they still haven't lost yet, the three draws. But um, I, I just don't I, – I, I just have a feeling Arsenal is just going to be – at some point they're going to be a tick below these other teams. I think Tottenham is pretty good. I think City obviously is in Liverpool. Like I, I just think Arsenal is like a little bit below those teams. All right. Well, we'll see if that holds up is again, Arsenal, they're trying to do well, they've won a trophy already this season. They're trying to do a little more than just a community shield. Uh, One match on Sunday. We'll highlight that one briefly. Villa four, West Ham one. Uh, Douglas Louise with goals in the 30th and 51st minute. Jared Bowen pulled one back five minutes after Louise's second. But Ollie Watkins and Bailey getting themselves on the score sheet. Once again, I kind of said it earlier. These are two teams that are very much Jekyll and Hyde where I don't really know where they want to stand in the course of their season because we've seen West Ham be brilliant and then be absolutely perez at best. We've seen Villa put in some flashy performances in the league and then they have the Europa Conference and it seems like they could walk at least the group and maybe the first couple of uh, knockout rounds. We'll see how that one shakes out, but Right now, in my opinion, I'll ask for both of your guys' opinions, Sean, first. But I think if you're Villa right now, you're sitting pretty. You're just hoping that you can just start to string performances together. And I'm talking three or four in a row as opposed to one good, one bad. This Villa team is good. They're a dangerous team. I mean, I was watching that and it was, you know, two nothing, then two one. And all of a sudden you're like, all right, maybe West Ham's going to get back in it. And it was just, you know, they just turned it on. My guy Paul Dowling over in 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 Birmingham keeps saying that you know he he says second he keeps thinking they're gonna finish second they got a lot of goals they got the most you know 20, 23 goals only one less than Newcastle they do score so if you score goals in this league I think you can win when you look at the upcoming uh, fixtures for them I think we talked just kind of hit on that briefly uh, Luton Town Nottingham Forest Fulham 
uh, Spurs away, Bournemouth, you know, five games there. All of a sudden, if you win four of those games, you know, you're you're in the top four and you're, you're flying. So, but then, you know, in December, we'll see, you know, they got Manchester City, Arsenal, Manchester United, Newcastle, all before January 30th and Manchester United again. So we'll see, you know, we'll see how they... Now, I will say this. I mean, they're a kind of team I could see spending a little bit of money in January. So, you know, if they're if they're through to the knockout stages, Conference League, and sitting in, you know, the top four, top five, I could see them bringing in a couple players um, and maybe kind of pushing to, to to win a win a trophy and and uh, you know make a top four because it, it's going to be there. I think this is it's going to be wide open. Stu, you're nodding your head. I, I would want to say the same about West Ham. I don't think they're going to be splashing that cash. Fortunately for them, outside of a long trip to Olympiacos for an early game on Thursday, they're going to be home for the next bit. They've got a friendly schedule coming up. But boy, I felt like this, if they want to solidify that spot in that top seven, top eight, this was a missed opportunity. Yeah, it was, and they they played so well uh, leading up to it. They've they've really been impressive, especially Jared Bowen. He had another goal on Sunday, but he'd been really uh, playing a really strong game of late, uh, coming off of that contract extension that he got from West Ham. And and yeah, uh, they've just Villa's just been they've been good. I mean, look, they lost to Newcastle, they lost to Liverpool. Those are two of the best four or five teams in the league. They, they dropped points against Wolves a few a uh, few weeks ago, but other than that, they've been they've been really good. You know, they beat Chelsea one nil. They obviously crushed Brighton six to one a few weeks ago. They've been really good, and they had a couple injuries to start. Buendia, I think, is a guy that we forget about, but he's a guy that was going to be a pretty key part of the team. Tyrone Mings, who maybe isn't the greatest center back in the world, but he was a guy who was a former captain of the team and was a kind of one of those leaders and a guy that was at least probably going to start until they got Pal Torres up to speed. And I like them a lot. I like Sean kind of said, I they've backed Unai Emery a lot in the, in the transfer market. They did this summer. I'm sure they'll buy a guy this winter. Emery since taking over 68 points and the only, only teams with more points are city with 81 Arsenal with 74 and Liverpool with 71. He's been incredible and just a total opposite of what they were under uh, Stevie G. Uh, it was just a disaster at this point last year. They were just a few points above the relegation spot. So just the turnaround that they've had over the past 365 days is is pretty astounding and probably not a top four team, but I do think they are a team that despite, you know, having to play conference league games, I think they are a team that will at least finish in a Europa League spot uh, and they'll probably back Unai in the transfer market in, in the wintertime as well. Yeah, well, they've got that Spanish connection going back over to Sevilla. So who knows if they're going to be poaching players. And like I said earlier about Ange Postacoglu, winners find ways to win no matter what club that they're in. And Unai Emery is a winner. So perhaps there could be silverware in the future for Villa. All right, running down the rest of the matches from the Premier League is kind of our best of the rest recap. And I'll let you guys chime in at the end for your pick of the bunch on Saturday Bournemouth one Wolves two Solanke gets the team uh, from the south coast up early however uh, after a goal and equalizer from Cunha Lewis Cook just absolutely loses his mind and headbutts a man he's gone Wolves get the winner from Kaladzic inside the last two minutes Bournemouth continue to just be at the bottom right now I don't see a way out, especially for the fact now that they've got one of their most experienced heads gone for three. Next up, Brentford three, Burnley nil. I said it in a previous episode. I'm never going to fret about Brentford because they find a way to win. Visa and Bumo and Godus, 
all on the score sheet in that one. Burnley, similar story for them. Newcastle putting four past Palace, Murphy, Gordon, and we have a long staff sighting in the first half. And then Wilson scoring what was a insurance goal, if anything else. Jacob Murphy, by the way, what a player he is. Put over a nine on a match rating in that one. Nottingham Forest to Luton to, and these are points that Forest are going to want back because it was all looking fine and dandy in the mid-country as Chris Wood banged a pair and thinking with 10 minutes ago it should be done and dusted, but my goodness, that back four for Forrest, what are you looking at with balls sent over the top? Because there's going to be someone in there, Ogbeni and Adebayo, each score to get a share of the result in that one. And the one match on Monday just wrapped up a little while ago. Big Ange ball again in full effect. Sonny and Madison on the score sheet knocking off Fulham by two goals to nil, which continues to see Spurs at the top of the standings. Seven wins, two draws from nine, and a plus 12 goal differential. Guys, Sean, your pick of the bunch. I watched a lot of that uh, Wolves game. I, I thought they, they were pretty good. I mean, they were just always, you know, they, they gave up an early goal, and uh, they just kind of stayed hung in there. They scored. They hung in. They hung in. And, and they you know, they got the winner after get what minute was 54th minute yeah when when the red card came a couple minutes after the goal it was already 1-1 there and uh, you know I, I just think it's interesting first of all I their squad is I I know we tie I don't think they're very deep I didn't know if they, I think people didn't know where the goals were going to come from but I still think their squad is pretty good like I, I I think they'll be nowhere near the relegations like in the actual numbers of the table I think they will Points wise, I don't think they'll be anywhere near the bottom of the table. Um, you know, they may finish 15th, but they're going to be 15, you know, 12 points clear of the bottom. Uh, they're just that much better. And then, uh, you know, I, I saw some people talking about Gary O'Neill. He was on Monday Night Football today in, in England, I think on Sky or whatever channel was on. And they were just talk. they were asking him a bunch of questions about stuff. And everyone was just just really, really impressed about just how, you know, lucid and, and just really good he talks about the game and and and, you know you just see on the other sideline Bournemouth had him and they just said nah we're you know even though he saved us we're gonna go with somebody else because we don't want to play that way we want to play attractive football and stuff like this well they're going to be playing attractive football in the championship next year and Gary O'Neill is going to be with Wolves probably for a few years here because that team is just better. So he he landed on his feet. And I, I'm happy for him because Scott Parker was atrocious, terrible. And he can't no one thought Bournemouth was gonna stay up last year. And he kept him up with a couple matches to spare. They played from like mid-March till the beginning of May. Their Bournemouth was winning games three-nothing, three-one. Like they were playing great. He was the manager of the month. And then they got rid of him. Now he's with Wolves. And now Wolves are playing well. I, I, and I, I actually like watching Wolves play. So, you know, with the Portuguese players. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, eight points from their last four matches, including wins over City and um, and a draw against Villa. So you'll take those points any day of the week. The only little uh, sour note in there is a 3-2 League Cup defeat to Ipswich Town. Stu, your best of the week. I watched a lot of that Newcastle uh, thrashing of Palace. Uh, Palace actually had a lot of shots. They had like 17 shots. Uh, I think only three or four on target. Um, yeah, I thought that would be a little more of a competitive match, uh, but I was certainly wrong about that. Newcastle's really good of late, especially after that loss against Liverpool. They've kind of been uh, 
pretty red hot. I mean, I watch a lot of the Spurs. It just keep coming, man. They, you know, between uh, Madison and Son, it's just, it's just an incredible partnership with Son playing more of a striker role, more of that central role than he had been in the years past because of uh, Harry Kane being there. And and what Madison does in the buildup, I mean, I, I've just been just really impressed with Ann's ball and, and what they've done uh, post-Harry Kane. And I was also kind of curious to see how they would play without Basuma, who was on red card suspension. They, you know, slotted in Hoybier there, and they actually did a pretty good job. Uh, so, you know, Spurs, they, they continue to get points, and they continue to be top of the table. And, and you know, until someone beats them, they deserve what they're getting, and they, they've been really good. No, most definitely. And I already kind of aired my piece on Brentford, but I will add this. On the losing side for Fulham, we should give a round of applause or at least a uh, appreciation to Tim Ream, who has appeared now over 300 times for the club, continuing the great tradition. Or he was humble, actually, to go on social media and say, not so much. I shouldn't be up there with the likes of Dempsey and Bocanegra, amongst others. Well, sir, if you play for a club for 300 times and appearing over nine seasons, which is something that should be a appreciated in any professional sport the loyalty with one team you are a legend okay so that is our premier league roundup and yes as we've spoken about it before champions league is back this is match day number three across all eight groups it's groups a through d on tuesday i'll just run down the matchups really quickly and i'll let you guys get after group a the early match so that's in america 12 45 eastern time galatasaray hosting Bayern munich manu hosting copenhagen in group b lens against eindhoven sevilla against arsenal which is actually a sneaky very good match or maybe not so sneaky but still very good match uh group c braga hosts real madrid union berlin hosting napoli and in Group D, Inter hosting Salzburg, Real Sociedad makes the short drive across Iberia to take on Benfica. Sean, I know obviously for Man U, as you said already, this is not only a have to win, it is a must win. And frankly, a must win if they want to make sure that they're playing some sort of European football yeah, after look, uh, the just, holidays. Yeah, you got to win. Look, I, I mean, people were, you know, when they lost to Galatasaray, you know, you, you look at the table. They have zero points, Manchester United. If Manchester United wins the next three matches, they'll be fine. They, they'll have beaten Copenhagen twice and Galatasaray, you know, once. And Galatasaray's got Bayern Munich over the next two legs. So if, if Bayern Munich goes and wins those games, gets to 12 points and clinches a spot, Galatasaray's on four, Manchester United's on six, and then goes to Turkey and wins or even gets a draw. You don't want to go into that last game. You, you really need to win the game. If they win their next three Champions League games, which they're more than capable of against FC Copenhagen and Galatasaray, they'll go through. They won't be the group winner. And that last match might not mean anything. I mean, Bayern Munich will probably be sitting their players in that match, uh, you know, if, if, if they're already through, which would be great. But all you got to do is, you know, you just got to win. Other than that, though, you know, I, that Braga game is interesting. That Braga-Real Madrid match, I think that's interesting. That stadium is is one of the nicest in the world. It's it's a, it's carved in the side of a mountain. Uh, it's really, really cool if you ever get a chance to go. Uh, Union Berlin-Napoli, I think, is interesting. Sevilla-Arsenal, you know, Wednesday, I think. That group of death, whatever, it's, it's, it's not... You know, it's turning out not to be Wednesdays. Wednesdays games are nowhere near to me as good as some of the games. Lones and PSV, I know, but I think will be great. Sevilla at Arsenal. Arsenal, that's a tough match for for Arsenal in Spain. So I think Tuesday is clearly the better day of, of action. Stu, do you concur or should I read Wednesday and you give your opinions? 
Uh, yeah, Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday's definitely better. And, I've, you know, match day three and four is also, you know, always interesting because you kind of get that that home-and-home home, uh, matchup between the same teams, and then you kind of get a clearer picture of what you're going to see from the group. I mean, Newcastle is a real good chance, right? They get four points here from Dortmund in these next two matches. They'll win that group, and then it'll just be a question of, Will it be PSG or will it be Milan? And that's a really interesting second or third place finisher for that group. And PSG is a bit of a mess, but you know we don't have to we don't have to get too deep into that. And then the other group that that's kind of interesting at this point: Real Sociedad, Inter, and Salzburg. Salzburg can you know keep pace with those two. That'll kind of be interesting. But yeah, other than that, th- those are really the ones that stand out for me at least. All right. So then I'll just run through the Wednesday matches really quick. And our our next episode when we record on Thursday night, we will talk about all of these plus the Conference League and Europa League. So in Group E on Wednesday, Feyenoord host Lazio. Celtic Park is going to be rocking as Atletico Madrid comes to town. That's Group E, Group F, as we mentioned, the Group of Death. Newcastle hosting Dortmund, PSG against Milan. Group E, you've got Man City traveling to Switzerland to take on BSC Young Boys. Then Red Star Belgrade goes to Leipzig, which could actually be a really interesting matchup. Yeah. That's a good game with Red Star Belgrade just sitting on the one point, but that could honestly, the way that city has to play young boys of the, of Switzerland a couple of times, that could be the make or break for those teams. Barcelona hosting Shakhtar. That's actually my personal pick because we've seen Shakhtar do it before with the big clubs where they can go on the road and grind out results. Um, So we will see because, and they're going to need it. They want to play in Europe because Porto will play Antwerp twice. And that's likely that Porto will be taking six points from six. Okay, guys. So that was our champions league. And as we always wrap up shows, uh, we will go around the world. And um, anything that you all would like to add to the table, I do have one. I will, you want actually can go first and give you guys a hot second to think about it. I will be staying domestically in America because we had the, as much as I don't like the American setup, but I'm just going to get over it. Anyways, the NWSL playoffs began. And because we're all based in the greater Metro-ish New York region, Gotham FC finally did it. They finally won a postseason match. In the NWSL, they're a charter club. They've only been to two playoffs since 2013, but they beat the courage of North Carolina by two goals to none, which means Allie Krieger ain't retiring just yet. She gets one more match, and that will be um, after an international break on the women's side, which is very fascinating. That will be um, on the 5th when Portland Thorns host Gotham FC, and San Diego Wave will be hosting ol rain which means casey stoney's club is just one win away from playing and hosting the final in their own stadiums sean over to you yeah look i i mean i'm gonna talk about the next real madrid coach uh zabi alonzo who's got barry leverkusen flying uh 22 points out of 24 here uh, leading the Bundesliga, and you see the results. Big result went on the road at Wolfsburg and won two one. Uh, they've they've just they've done really well. They're doing well in the Europa League, four uh, nothing against Haken, two one in uh, Norway against Mold. Uh, he's got them fine. He's going to be unbelievable for Real Madrid uh, when he goes there. The Real Madrid won't skip a beat. Um, they're going to be actually probably. Um, you know, doing better, you know, Real Madrid in, in that um, 
still leading the table in Spain, along with Girona, which is one of the best stories right now in Europe as well. Can Girona, Girona uh, keep up the pace there? I mean, right now they're seven clear of Sociedad, who's in fifth. So uh, it, it, it's pretty amazing to see what they're doing. So Yeah, they, they've been impressive. I know they've scored a lot of goals this year. Um, I'll, I'll go to a kind of a negative story. Ajax is just a uh, complete, a complete utter disaster. They lost four to three to Utrecht over the weekend. Uh, they sacked their manager. They went down two nil, scored three straight, and they conceded two to lose four to three. They're now in 17th out of 18 in the Eredivisie. No wins, three draws, five losses in the last eight matches in all competitions. They last one in August. So they've just been for a club that's runs that league or is, you know, one of the two two best teams in that league typically. How far they've fallen since uh, Ten Hag left is is pretty amazing. And yeah, they're just they're just an absolute dumpster fire uh it, so far this season. It just you keep you know, it gets to the point. I mean, when you start to sell, I mean you saw it like Southampton. Like Southampton regularly, you know, top ten, top eight, and just sell, you know, every year selling players, selling players, so it gets to the point you, you just can't keep selling players all the time. I know they have to kind of do it, but like, I mean, look, man, if if, if you're if you're Ajax and you can't keep players, eh, you know, man, I don't know, I, you know, eh, that's an issue. So uh, yeah, they're they're terrible. So that I mean, and Eindhoven is nine and zero with a thirty goals for and three goals allowed. So you know, I mean, and, and Alkmaar is fine. I, the three teams at the top of that league don't have a loss, and the fourth place team has one loss. I mean, so they're they're already so far behind those teams that this is just basically a wasted year for them. So you know, maybe they can turn it around in the Champions League, but you know, I, I'm not counting on it. They stink. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, maybe they uh, do enough to get into Europa League, win it, and then they go back to the Champions League because it looks like that is their only route at least perceivably to Europe. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in as always. And guys, just as a friendly reminder, please follow us on all of our socials as we do tell you what it is, but sometimes we actually forget to spell it out because we do have some interesting ones there. Box to box FT ball or box to box football on Twitter or X, however you like to call it and box to box football pod on Instagram. Give us a review give us a five star, tell your friends about it. It is all very much appreciated because the algorithm likes to algorithm. So for all of us, for Sean, for Stu, I'm JJ saying so long and enjoy the rest of your day.